Hello and welcome to Leanne Ward Nutrition, a podcast where you will find expert advice on all things health and nutrition related. Each week, we will discuss my three niche areas of gut health, emotional eating and sustainable fat loss. My hope for this podcast is to cut through the BS online and show you real, practical and evidence-based messages around nutrition so you can live your best life day in and day out. So sit tight, buckle up and let's get started on today's podcast. Welcome to today's podcast with our special guest, Nikki from Just Get Fit. I have followed Nikki on Instagram for years now, and I was so excited when she agreed to come on the podcast and share all of her wisdom with you guys. Now, Nikki is a certified nutrition coach and personal trainer who works exclusively with women. Her mission is to help others develop a healthful relationship with food and fitness. Now, as somebody who struggled with dieting since her mid-teens, Nikki helps her clients make sustainable lifestyle changes, which they can adhere to long-term. She is also a meal prep guru with over four years of experience in creating delicious and healthy meals. This led her to develop an online members area, which gives her users access to over 200 recipes, each with calorie and macronutrient breakdowns. To learn more about this and to access lots of free meal prep and fitness advice, go to her blog, www.justget.fit. And be sure that you give Nikki a follow on Instagram as well. Her handle is at justget.fit. And let's launch straight into today's podcast. Welcome, Nikki, to the podcast. Very, very excited to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me, Leanne. I'm so excited. Well, I would love to start um, with you telling our listeners why you got into the health industry to begin with, because as I remember, you're a teacher by background, aren't you? Absolutely. I was actually teaching for about eight or nine years, and I had the opportunity to pursue a, a more recent passion, and that is health and fitness. And I think as someone who struggled with health and fitness and actually finding a sustainable lifestyle and routine it really kind of spoke to me in terms of being relatable to other individuals who have also kind of, you know, you're on the wagon for a couple of months with regards to, you know, you've got an event or something and you're highly motivated and then, you know, life hits you and you're like, ah, it kind of falls to the wayside. And so mm-hmm. I it was really important for me when I found a sustainable way to approach health and fitness that I thought it would be a perfect opportunity for me to jump in and, you know, help out that niche because I totally understand from a personal perspective, just how challenging it can be to find what you love. And it, I mean, I only found it when I was about just before I turned 29. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was a very long journey to get to where I am. Yeah. And we've actually had very similar journeys because we were talking just before this podcast. We've been following each other for many, many, many years now. You're one of like the OG Instagram accounts that I've been following from way (laughs) back in the day. And we have very similar messages. And I think that that's something that I couldn't wait to get you on this podcast to share your story and to share your lessons with our listeners. How did you find that thing that worked for you? You know, you said you found that great sustainable approach. Was it just trial and error? I think, you know, a big part of it was trial and error because I think when I first started, I was doing BBG mm-hmm. and that's the bikini body guide. And yes. I know a lot of women have done that in the past and it was great uh, it, in terms of me starting off because I was like, you know what, I can totally do this. It's only 27 minutes a day or whatever mm-hmm. it was. And for me, I think that started off being really sustainable, but the problem was that it kind of evolved into me starting to dread the workouts because 
well, it can be a fantastic program like any anyone out there. Mm-hmm. If you're not enjoying it, it's not going to be sustainable for you. Yeah. And so I think when it came to finding what worked for me, it was a lot of trial and error and being like, oh, wait, this is great now. And as I continue, I was like, oh, my feelings towards something continue. And when I stopped to enjoy it, it was that time to be like, okay, it's time to find something new to make modifications. And this is sort of in the past I talked about, you know, it's taking me a really long time to find that lifestyle balance. And when I first started, I committed to finishing the 12 week program without missing a single day, without, you know, taking any rest days off that weren't prescribed without eating out. I went three months without eating out a single meal. No, you know, quote unquote cheat meals. And I worked out when I was sick. I worked out when I was tired. I worked out when I really shouldn't have been. And I stuck to my calories, even though I was exhausted, I was underfeeding myself. And this is where the trial and error took place because Mm. what I thought was healthy and sustainable and me making right progress was really just, you know, orthorexia was my like obsession with health and fitness and me think I'm doing everything right. Look at me. I, you know, I've changed this and that and but the thing was, it, it wasn't healthful for me in body mm-hmm. and mind. And that's sort of why, while my journey started off that way, it's evolved into something much more, uh, something that keeps my mentality in check and my physical well-being in check. Because those two go hand in hand. Absolutely. And can you tell our listeners at home, where was that, I guess, shift for you? If somebody's at home right now and they're listening and they're thinking, oh God, this is me. Like I, I never skip my workout. I try and you know, hardcore, even when I'm sick, like I can't skip my workout. I have to, I cannot go, you know, 10 calories over my allowed, you know, budget, that sort of thing. If somebody's sitting in that position right now and they're at home, because you and me were both in this position many years ago and we've come so far, but it is so hard just to recognize that you're there to start with and then do something to change positively as well. So what would your advice be for somebody listening at home who might be just you know, that little bit too obsessed with their sort of health journey and thinking that that's absolutely all that they need to achieve, you know, their goals or something like that? I think that's a great question. And I think that with trial and error comes that time for reflection. And whenever people ask me about, you know, a fad diet or this way to work out and do I have to do that? And I would say, you know, or I'd ask, can you imagine yourself doing this in six months? If you Mm -hmm. can, great. If you can't, well, then it's perhaps time for change. And if they can, I was like, okay, but what about in a year, in two years, in 10 years? If you can't mm-hmm. imagine what you're doing today in 10 years, then it's possibly time to reassess your approach and figure out what changes you can make to make that more sustainable and healthful for you to actually, you know, keep up this. Because ideally, what I think both of you, both you and I want to really emphasize is that this should be a lifestyle. And if you're doing something, you know, for 12 weeks or 24 weeks, that those results and progress, it's not something you're going to sustain because, you know, you have to make those changes long-term. 100% agree. And uh, you touched on a really important point where I see a lot of young uh, women in particular doing is things like working out when they're sick, working out when they're exhausted. Can you tell our listeners at home why this is so detrimental and why having a rest day will actually do more for them rather than what we, you know, when we think in our head, it'll set us back or it'll, it'll make us take a few backward steps. It'll actually be more positive for us in the long run. Oh, absolutely. And I think I'm definitely someone who can understand that sort of, you know, guilt mentality when it comes to taking a rest day. 
And mm. I think that the problem is when you're not actually resting, you're not allowing your body to fully recover. And when, I mean, if you, if you're ever like me in the past and you're like, I'm totally fine. I have a runny nose and a sore throat and my chest hurts, but I'm going to go today because I'm super tough. And then the next day you wake up and you're like, great, I've got a fever and I have to go to like my full-time job and I work with children. And, you know, before you know it, you are so sick that doing just day-to-day tasks is so much more challenging, which means that, you know, the more tired you are, the harder it is to make positive choices when it comes to your nutrition and eating, which means actually doing your job is a lot more challenging. And so this is where the whole long-term and longevity comes into play because if you don't allow your body to rest and take that one, two, or three, whatever days it is you need to recover, you're going to be out of the game far longer. And I think people like, I always remind my clients and I was like, if you need to take a rest day or a couple, honor that, honor how your body is feeling and rest because you're going to come back stronger and so much faster than if you just push through. hundred percent. And I had, I'll tell the listeners at home, I had one of my very, very good friends do an eight week challenge lately. And I I tried my best to talk her out of it. I actually did her nutrition programming for the challenge, but that's a whole nother story. But during that eight week challenge, she was sick five times, like five times (sighs) over. She was expected to do six workouts a week. And on top of that, five cardio sessions a week in her own (sighs) time as well. And I did the whole spiel. I said, can you honestly see yourself? And she said, I don't care. I don't care. I just want to lose five kilos. That's all I want is to lose five kilos. And I said that, yeah, but you'll do that, but like, it'll come straight back on again. And you'll like, I just kept reminding her every time she got sick and every time she got sick and like, they would make her feel guilty if she had one workout off and she'd come back the next one, because I'd be on her case to at least just have one rest day. And then she'd go back the next time and they'd make her feel guilty for having a day off because, you know, it was only an eight week challenge. Like if you can't do this Mm. for eight weeks, how are you ever going to do this? And I just feel like that mentality about being so strict is, is so detrimental so I love that we're talking Absolutely. about this, this balance concept, particularly for young women, totally. because, you know, you and me, we've been there, we've done it all, we've mm-hmm. put our bodies through hell so that <laughs> please nobody else at home needs to do that. They can yes. learn from us. <laughs> yes. And I think what you brought up was a really interesting point too, about the whole, that the guilt that was sort mm. of put upon this poor woman. And I think that's also something that's so important for us as individuals. And when you are looking for a program, when you are looking for a gym or a trainer, anyone who you're looking for fitness advice from is they're there to support you and encourage you to be better than you were not to be, you know, superhuman because that is Mm -hmm. absolutely not what any of us are. And the reality is most of us are not professional athletes who are getting paid to train. We are exactly. here because we want to be healthy. We want to live a, a positive life. And anyone who's pushing you to the point that is detrimental for your overall health, I think has ulterior motives. And unfortunately, like you can find any kind of coach who's going to, you know, help you diet down and put you on a thousand calories and get you to do over too much cardio. And they're going to have a great transformation picture from you, but they're not going to worry about you long-term and where that leaves you with your relationship with food, with your mentality, with your hormones. And mm-hmm. that's what you want with anyone you're going to work with, someone who's concerned about your overall well-being. hundred percent agree. Could not agree more. Now, do you find though, you you have a hard time getting this, I guess, just this message about balance across on social media. There's so many, you know, fad diets, there's so much restriction, so many like six, eight week challenges, so many you know, just people promoting all of these like transformation photos. And as you said, we don't see what happens to these women afterwards. We don't see how messed up their hormones are, how they have no control around food. 
somehow they just have no regulation around their appetite. Like they just find they're constantly starving and they they have no control. They go out to eat and they just can't stop eating. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like you you have a difficult time getting this message across about balance. I must say, I think you do it brilliantly on social media, but I'm sure that you must, (laughs) I'm sure you must get questions from people all of the time asking you about the latest fads and that sort of thing. How do you, how do you approach that? I think there's one tricky thing about Instagram and that it it kind of becomes an, an echo chamber for what you promote and who you follow. And so when I follow people like you, who, when it comes to health and wellness, we have very similar ideologies and beliefs. So I think my uh, little bubble on Instagram is quite, uh, quite awesome (laughs) because, (laughs) because I see a lot of really positive things. So while I completely hear what you're saying, and I do definitely get questions about, well, you know, how do I target that, you know, the fat loss in my legs and how do I get a thigh gap? And, you know, those questions that we've all kind of had at some point in a fitness journey, Um, I do have to say that I think it, it, social media is becoming slowly, but hopefully surely a more positive place where people are focusing on, or at least are able to come across and find resources where people are promoting that balance and, you know, lifetime or lifestyle of fitness, because I definitely agree you're I mean, I personally hate when people repurpose people's photos and, you know, promote some diet or whatnot. And, you know, people come to me and say, Hey, what about this? This was what I came across. And this is, this transformation looks great. And I said, okay, that, I mean, I agree. That's a great transformation, but you're not going to know the whole story. And unless you talk to that individual, ask them how it was, ask them what they look like now, how are they feeling now? Because you want the full picture, like with anyone's journey, it's not a linear approach. I'm sure both you and I have had that similar thing where there's a lot of highs and lows and, you know, moments of success and moments of great learning and and failure or failing forward in a way to be like, huh, that was really something I would not do again. (laughs) (laughs) I love that failing forward. That is, that's the quote of my day. I'm going to put that on my blackboard, actually. I love that. <laughs> so do you have any tips for listeners at home who may be sitting there thinking, oh, you know, I failed yet another diet. I'm such a failure because particularly as females, we can get all up in our head and that negativity kind of takes over and we're sort of back at square one. And with my clients, I say, all I expect from you every day is 10% better, like 10%. That is it. And they look at me like I'm mental and I'm like, you can do that, can't you? 10%. They're like, Yeah, of course. I'm like, most days you'll surprise yourself. And it's such a beautiful feeling being constantly surprised rather than constantly disappointed in yourself. So do you have any tips for our our listeners at home about failing forward and how to turn those failures into great success stories and not let it completely derail you and wait to start again on Monday like so many people do? Oh, yeah. Um, So what I normally say is that I think People come to me and they're saying, I've been trying to lose, you know, weight for 10 years and just over and over mm. in this cycle. And they're like, I'm such a failure. And my response is, well, you're not a failure. If anything, that shows perseverance and dedication that even though you've been struggling, you have persevered for a decade at trying to accomplish something that says so much more about you than the fact that you haven't reached that goal quite yet. But that mm. perseverance with the right, you know, um, I don't want to say role model. What's that word that I'm looking for with the right guidance, I think is something that is really only going to get you exactly where you need to go. Because if you can, like you said, do 10% better and show up for yourself, you are going to get those results. But I think it's about also finding the kind of motivation that is going to 
keep you going? Because I think sometimes people think that it's always going to be easy and you're always going to be motivated and you're unfortunately not. But at the end of the day, you still have that choice to make and follow through on those decisions that, you know, is going to result in that 10% being better than you were yesterday. Right. And I always say, okay, so breakfast didn't go great. Why not give it a try at lunch? Why do you have to wait till tomorrow? Every meal, every day is a brand new opportunity for you to show up for yourself and for you to work towards what you're working on. I love that. And bringing it back to motivation, I think, again, that's something a lot of people struggle with and particularly to find it every single day. And I love, I came across a quote a couple of years ago and it was something along the lines of motivation is like a bath. It doesn't last. Like you need to do it regularly. And I just think like, that's so true. But then a lot of people do really struggle to find that motivation every single day. And I like to bring it back to people why. Like you have to have a bigger reason for wanting mm-hmm. to change more than just getting a thigh gap or more than just fitting in a dress for, Absolutely. you know, your, your friend's wedding at the end of the month, because you'll reach that and then you'll fall off the wagon. You'll go back to your old habits. So what is that deeper? Why? What is that deeper purpose? So for you, Nikki, like, what is your why? Why do you get up every day and you move your body in a great way and you eat really nourishing foods? You know, it's not, it's not down to motivation. What is, what is your why? What is your purpose for doing that? I think for me, when I look at it, I'm, I think that long-term, where do I want to be when I'm like, my mom just had her 70th birthday yesterday and she is fit. She's healthy. She looks fabulous. She does look amazing. And I was like, wow, mom, you are literally goals. And she's actually someone who, um, we talked about this when she first moved, uh, to the States, she gained a whole bunch of weight and was struggling with that. And, you know, for her, it was small changes where she's like, if I want a chocolate bar, I'd have half a chocolate bar. She, she doesn't go to the gym. She walks, she walks everywhere. She walks 10, 20,000 steps a day because that for her is realistic and sustainable at seven years wow. old. So I think it's really important to find out what motivates you to keep going. And for me, it's that thinking big picture when I'm, you know, 40, when I'm 50, when I'm 60, I want to be able to be active. I want to be able to, you know, take care of myself, you know, play with little kids, grandkids, you know, go for walks with my husband, you know, not be limited by my ability or physical, um, challenges, right. I want to, if the the healthier I am now and the more I take care of myself, the, the lower that my chances of having to be on medication, all those kinds of things, which, you know, maintaining a healthy weight and physique is going to help me enjoy my life to the fullest. Cause I think about when I first started and I moved away from home and I gained nearly 40 pounds going up the stairs was really hard. And for to to be 23 years old and going up the stairs, huffing and puffing, that Mm. said something to me that was really scary. Cause I mean, if I continue down the road, where would I be today? Mm -hmm. So I think big picture. I'm, I want to enjoy my life. I love that. And for me, it's my why has always been about my retirement. I mean, we work all of these years, like what, 30, 40 years of our life. I don't want to get to my retirement and be on a walking stick and taking all of these medications and, you know, you know, pulling my oxygen tank along behind me. (laughs) I want to be able to enjoy my retirement. You know, I want to like go and travel and almost go on like a Contiki tour when I'm like 70. (laughs) And that for me, like, I love that big picture is like, I'm thinking about like when I'm 65 or 70 years old, when I have worked my entire life, I can then start to enjoy it. I don't just want to sit at home drinking tea and doing crosswords. Like that's not me. I want to be, I want to be in Europe. I want to be in a cruise in, you know, in, in Greece or something. Exactly. 
You want the possibilities to be endless and not determined by your physical health. Exactly. I love that. So let's bring it right back to basics and start with nutrition. What are one to two or even three big areas that you see a lot of people going wrong, particularly early on in their journey, or if they're just not seeing results and not seeing progress, what are some um, big sort of big ticket things that people, you see people doing wrong? I think some really common things I see is people decide they're going to make a change and then try to overhaul their entire life, (laughs) you know, right from the get-go. Yeah. Try to be perfect. Yeah. They're like, cool. So I'm going to work on this and I'm going to start with these 10 simple goals. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever tried to do 10 things every single day on top of what you're normally trying to achieve, it's so hard. You're setting yourself up for failure. And this is when I, I like to remind people that, you know what, those little things and the little choices you make add up so quickly. If you made that effort to go outside on your lunch break for 10, 15 minutes, get a walk-in, maybe it's only 10 or 15 minutes, but if you do that every day moving forward, that adds up in a really big way. If you choose to, you know, add an extra serving of vegetables to every lunch, that adds up in a really positive way too. And so I think people negate small changes and in reality, that's exactly what's gotten me to where I am. And that's what's made, you know, actually getting to where I am and maintaining that possible for me. I am not going through Mm. yo-yo dieting phases anymore where I eliminate food groups. I eliminate going out. I don't eat in social situations because I'm fearful because I have created a lifestyle where I make healthy habits throughout the day. And I make choices mindfully that are going to keep me going where I want to be. So I'd say don't downplay the value of little changes. And I would say, Mm no matter what approach you choose to take, if you do choose to follow, you know, any kind of diet or anything like that, I would really be honest with yourself and follow that question. Once again, that we mentioned and think long-term, are you going to be able to continue this for six months or a year or 10? And if the answer is no, Mm -hmm. then it doesn't mean you're a failure, but instead it means that maybe this isn't right for you, but there might be some great things you can learn from certain things. So some people say, oh, I did paleo and it didn't work for me, but I really liked and learned that I was able to do this and I was able to do that. And I said, well, why not take those things and make them your own, but incorporate the things that you felt were missing from any kind of thing. So I think it's not necessarily putting yourself into a cookie cutter position where you're saying, Oh, I'm just like so-and-so I, that'll work for me. Cause you're an individual, you have different needs, you have different preferences and keeping those in mind is so important for sustainability. Cause if you are not enjoying it and all you think about is how deprived you are and what you're missing out on, then there's no way that you're going to be able to keep that up. Couldn't agree more with you. Definitely. And now I know you're a big fan of meal prep, just like me. So how high up the priority list do you place something like meal prep, particularly for somebody who might be just sort of starting out in their healthy lifestyle journey? So when it comes to meal prep, I think that is a great way to make it easier for someone to stay sort of, I know there's probably a much better way to say this, but you know, quote unquote on on track, Mm. because I think we are so much busier than we realize. And oftentimes that, that feeling of lack of time causes us to make choices that aren't necessarily going to align with where we want to be and what we're working towards. So mm-hmm. I think meal prepping can be so valuable, but I will say that I think some people go, well, oh, I don't want to eat the same thing for breakfast and lunch and dinner for the next four or five days. And I mm-hmm. say, there's no problem with that. If you don't enjoy that, you don't need to do that, but you 
I think everyone can benefit from meal prepping to a small extent, even if that means something like, you know, cooking some protein up at the beginning of the week and making a variation. So if you're doing say chicken thighs, make two different marinades. Variety is important. I totally understand that. Or there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with prepping just breakfast. If you're someone that likes breakfast, but has to run out of the house because you start really early, make some overnight oats. And, you know, you grab that jar, take it out the door and you can eat it on your way to work. Or once you get there, even something simple, like having snacks ready to go, chopped up vegetables, fruit. I think we're all people of convenience and whatever you make convenient is what you're going to eat. If you've got nothing but chips and chocolate in the house, then that's convenient and that's what you're going to eat. And I don't say that as a judgment because I have a lot of those things at home, but I know that if I make fruit and vegetables convenient for me, that's also what I feel comfortable reaching for because it's not any more work or effort for me. Mm-hmm. 100% agree. And I have a lot of people that say, oh, you know, I like chop up vegetable sticks and then I open the fridge and, you know, I want chocolate. But it's kind of like, well, even if, again, take it back to that small picture and those tiny goals that if you open that fridge 10 times and nine times you ate chocolate and just once you ate the carrot sticks that you had cut up, that's still a win and take that win. Whereas a lot of people and focus 10% on that. better. Exactly. And a lot of people focus <laughs> on it and they, they say, oh, that I'm such a failure. I'm such a failure. But that's a win and that's tiny progress. And if you just kept doing that every single week after every single month, after every single single year, it might be 50, 50% of the time. And then one day it might be, you're reaching for those carrots more times than you're reaching for the chocolate. And again, that's just that small sustainable behavior change over time. So I love that. I love that. And I feel like people get very overwhelmed with meal prep as well. And I like to just say, start small because snacking is something that really you know, does bring a lot of people down. They really struggle with snacking. Um, and so even if you just start to prep your snacks, like buy five different pieces of fruit for Monday to Friday, package yeah. up, you know, some nuts and some seed mix or, you know, make some bliss balls or something at the start of the week. So you've got a great healthy alternative. So if somebody pulls out the lolly jar at work, you know that you've got a yogurt and an apple or something like that, that you know is, is tasty for you, but also really nourishing for your body as well. So you can still have those lollies, but maybe not every single day. Exactly. And I think one other thing is, the thing is, I think people don't always think of this as meal prepping, but I have clients that are like, oh, but I really like X, but I, I can't eat that because that's not a healthy thing. And I said, but why can't you? If that's something you enjoy and you mm. can eat in moderation, by that I mean, I feel like there's certain foods where, you know, a red light food, where for me, that's chips. I can't have that in the house. I really struggle to not finish off a whole bag and feel really, you know, sick and kind of like I made a poor choice and I think mm-hmm. that affects my mentality. So there are certain foods I say, I try to avoid having them in the home, but there are also lots of things where there's some cookies that I love or whatever it is. And I'll say, oh, client, you know what, if you like that, have it. But when you buy that bag, pre-portion it out into single servings. So when you go into your pantry, you reach for that, you've got that. Why not include a little treat for yourself for every day if it helps you adhere to what you're working towards? Definitely. We are, we are so similar, Nikki. We say, we say exactly the same thing to our clients. And I was having this exact conversation with one of my coaching girls. She, oh, she's just come so far in terms of her relationship with food. And it's only, it's honestly only been six weeks, but she, there's still a little bit of doubt in her mind that she doesn't sort of trust herself. And we're having this conversation where she was at, um, Coles, which is like our big supermarket here in Australia, um, the other day. And she was sort of 
she grabbed the cookies and she put them in her trolley and she walked around with them for a bit and she went, no, 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 I'm just going to do what I always do. I'm going to eat them in the car on the way home. I'll get home from, to my boyfriend. I'll throw out the evidence and I'll go inside and, and eat dinner like I normally do. Oh. And I just sort of said to her, but listen to that story that you're telling yourself. There's no reason that you have to do that. You can grab those cookies and you can plan them out in your day and have a cookie Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's not going to derail your progress. If you're still getting in a great nourishing breakfast, morning tea, lunch and yes. dinner, it's just, it's when we get into that restrictive mentality and when we see food from that restrictive perspective, that's when we're likely to, to lose control around it a little bit more. So I guess it even starts with that story that we tell ourselves, doesn't it? And if we totally. think that we have no control around food, guess what? We're not going to have very much control around food. So I love that in terms of you can incorporate any food that you love into your diet just in small amounts. And I think pre-portioning things is a really great just trick to, to sort of teach your brain that just a little taste just as good as a lot. Yeah. But I think that when we're eating, you know, from a massive bag, we we don't eat that mindfully. We end up eating maybe the whole bag of potato chips and then we feel kind of crappy afterwards and we know that just a small amount would have tasted just as good. So I love that pre-portioning tip that you have. Yeah. Amazing. Now, um, we probably touched on this a little bit, but people who say that they don't have time for meal prep, you and me know how important it is and how it really is great for success. And none of us have time. Like I, oh, I'm yeah. amazed <laughs> that you gave me time to, to come on the podcast today. I'm so grateful. But for those people who don't have time, like none of us have time. How do you make that time? How do you find that time? Or how do you make meal prepping a priority or even just planning out some meals for the week? How do you make that a priority? I think this is where that whole, um, motivation and choice come into play where you're not always going to be one and motivated to do something, but you have the choice to do it. And you, if it is important, you will make it a priority. It's like when you find mm -hmm. the busiest person in the world and somehow they can get that task done. And I think this is when it comes mm -hmm. to meal prepping. Like people are just saying, Oh, but I don't have the time. It's going to take me so long. But the thing is, if you have time in a day to sit down, to read a book, to watch an episode of anything on TV, you know, to sit on your phone on social media for 30 minutes, you have time to meal prep. Your meal prep does not need to take you forever. And I don't think there's anything wrong with when you go to the grocery store doing or purchasing things that are going to make it more convenient. If it's mm -hmm. more convenient to buy pre-chopped vegetables and you can afford to do that, by all means, do that. It yep. doesn't make you less of a superhuman. <laughs> you are amazing for making the time to do that and for prioritizing your health. Because I think you need to, if you actually think big picture and over the course of the week, if you spend, I'd say an hour to max meal prepping for three or four days, that's still far less time than all the meals that you're going to have to do throughout the week. Because mm -hmm. even if you go get takeout, if you order food, if you have to go pick it up, you go grocery shopping, shopping multiple times throughout the week, that all takes you far longer than those 60 to 90 or 120 minutes. Right. Mm -hmm. You set yourself up for success because you have healthful options available to you. And it's just so much easier to work towards things when you've prepared yourself. When I first started, I was studying for my insurance license. I was teaching full time. I was getting my master's and I was trying to be a daughter and wife and have a social life. And so I would Sundays was a day, no matter what happened, no matter what people asked, oh, you're free, you want to do this? And I'd say, you know what? I have to cook first. I have to meal prep because if not, I'm the whole, my whole week is off. I've got no lunch. I've got no breakfast, no dinner. And as a teacher, I did not have time to leave the school to go get lunch. Mm -hmm. And when I was studying, getting my master's at that time, I would sometimes be gone from 7am to 9 or 10pm. So 
there, there was no time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I prioritized that Sunday was, that was my time. It was sometimes selfish. It was sometimes sad to be like, I would love to go for brunch. I would much rather want to go to the movies, but you know, that hour or 90 minutes is going to make my week so much better, that it's not worth it for me to sacrifice that. Yeah. And I feel exactly the same way. And I think it comes back to even that guilt that we were talking about at the start. People feel guilty for almost turning down, you know, friends invites for social occasions or guilty for not spending extra time with their partner or taking their dog for a walk or something like that. But it's kind of like, if you're going to take that time right now in the present to care for yourself better in the long run, you're going to be able to care for everybody else better as well. So don't let that I guess that guilt gets you in that moment because it's going to pay off long-term. And I'm exactly the same. My Saturday or Sunday is my meal prep. I don't care if I'm up at 11 PM at night doing it. And people think I'm Mm -hmm. mental. They're like, you're sacrificing sleep. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not going to sleep that much this week anyway, because I've got such a busy week. But I know that if I have nourishing good food, that week is going to be just that little bit easier on me. So Exactly. You can keep going far longer than if you were just searching for food every time. Exactly. Now I would love to know, Personally, what is your favorite breakfast, lunch, and dinner uh, meal to meal prep ahead of time? So start me off with breakfast. What is um, a favorite of yours to meal prep? So I'd say a favorite of mine would probably be like an overnight oats or something, just mm-hmm. because it's so easy and I can make four breakfasts in probably 10 minutes or less. So <laughs> that's always one that I, I recommend to people because they're like, I don't have time. And it's like 10 minutes, probably seven minutes. Yeah. And rolled oats are so cheap as well. <laughs> exactly. It's so cheap and it's so customizable, right? Mm. Depending off if you're lactose intolerant or gluten intolerant, whatever it is, it's easily modified to your needs. Exactly. Make it higher calories, higher fats, add fruits that are in season, whatever it is. It's financially and t- like financially, uh, cost efficient. There we go. (laughs) And, uh, super time efficient too. Um, with regards to lunch, I have gone through so many like burrito bowls just because they are so quick and convenient, you know, a little bit of ground meat, whatever your preference is with, you know, some homemade taco seasoning, rice, fresh veggies, tomatoes, salsa, cheese, whatever it is that you like and enjoy. You throw that into a bowl. It tastes right. It reheats really well. And it's pretty much foolproof because there's not actually too much cooking involved. (laughs) And if you were doing something like, um, I love in my burrito bowls, I love putting like a bit of like lettuce and that sort of thing. Would you just keep that separate or would you put it all in together and then kind of just throw it in and reheat it? So what, so (laughs) one thing that a lot of people ask is about reheating and Mm. I actually eat so much of my food cold because growing up when I was in high school, we had like four microwaves for, I think like 300 girls at high school. (laughs) So I was like, huh, I can wait 10 minutes or I can eat this as is. And so I would go for the as is option. But I realized that most people actually like their food warm. And (laughs) so what I really like is there's a lot of meal prep containers, both glass uh, and plastic as well, where they are three compartments. And I think those Mm. are fantastic because while I wouldn't reheat a plastic one, they are great for transferring like when I was working, I would have that, I would have my carbs and protein in one section and then fresh, fresh veggies in the other sections. And I could literally just separate and reheat what I wanted, like my rice and protein. And then after that's warm, I could add my veggies on top. So it's not actually, my lettuce isn't hot. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, good. (laughs) Yeah. Wonderful. And what about dinner? What's something that you love to meal prep for um, your dinner meals? So I'm, 
when it comes to eating, flavor is so important for me. So I really love things like a curry or something really hearty like that, which has, you know, flavor and isn't too bland. Um, I don't have one particular, I mean, I have like, I remember I have my members area with like all these kinds of recipes. And I think I have over, I don't know, over a hundred recipes in there just for, you know, lunch or dinner, because I am someone that likes variety, but I also like flavor. So I don't think I can give you one particular one, but it would have to be something probably saucy, like a, a curry or something like that. Love it. Now, in regards to meal prep, I'm sure you get this question as many times as I do, and I hate answering it. It's about like food storage and how long your meal prep lasts in the fridge. And I feel like as a dietitian, I I, I was like, I don't learn food safety advice. Like we kind of do, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to be giving you out food safety advice. So yeah, I normally yeah. tell people like, you know, three to maybe five days in the fridge, but I'll be completely honest. I've eaten food that's been in my fridge for six or seven days and I've never gotten food poisoning and I'm still okay. <laughs> but what sort of recommendations do you give to your, um, I guess, clients and followers in regards to meal prep? Like, do you have a time frame that you don't like to leave food in the fridge for too long? Do you bang it in the freezer if it's been in the fridge for say longer than five days or something? So great question. Yes, definitely something that a lot of people ask. And I would say I normally don't keep anything. So if I were meal prepping on Sunday, I wouldn't keep anything past Thursday. So everything Mm -hmm. from my Sunday prep would be gone and eaten by Thursday Mm -hmm. just for, you know, food safety and wellness and uh, <laughs> all that positive things that we're encouraged to do when it comes to food health. Um, so yeah, I, for most people, I say three to four days. I personally don't freeze many, if many of my meal preps, there's certain ones which do well in the freezer, like something like a mm. chili or something. But one thing that I think is super important, and this took me quite a while to learn is that you're almost better off under prepping meals sometimes because or at least double checking your calendar for social events and meetings. I think some people kind of downplay the importance of that. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh shoot, I have, you know, three extra meals. And I've definitely, uh, you know, called my husband and been like, how come you still haven't eaten these two meals? And you know, he's sitting at home eating two dinners because (laughs) he's he's fearful. (laughs) He doesn't want to waste it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, we can't waste food. I I definitely, I hate (laughs) wasting food. So I'm that person where I'm like, sometimes it's much better to under me under meal prep because, you know, things come up last minute. You want to participate in a lunch at work. You want to go out for a dinner, whatever it is. And so sometimes Mm -hmm. I think having a little bit less prevents that waste and some things don't always freeze well either. Like I know if you've ever mm-hmm. made zoodles, those don't freeze very well. So nope. <laughs> <laughs> also, also keep me that in mind when you're prepping, if you've got a busy social calendar. Yeah. Or finding like having one or two things in the pantry or in the freezer that, um, you know, meal prep really easy. Like say yes. you, you might plan on meeting a friend during the week, but you're not sure if like, it's kind of a tentative plan. You're not sure mm-hmm. if it hundred percent go ahead. So instead of prepping, you know, five meals to get you through five lunches, you might do, um, you know, just four. And then my fallback option is always, um, tin tuna, frozen veggies and that microwavable rice, which yeah. I just leave in my pantry and it lasts for like months and months and months. So it's totally. never going to go off, but I've got a quick and easy meal there if I need it, but then I'm not going to prep something that as you said you may potentially waste because there's nothing worse than wasting food um and I always love to do like a good like a slow cooker or a curry or even just like a spaghetti or something like that that does freeze really well just in case if I have plans pop up and people want to go out to dinner or something like that then I again I'm not wasting food and I can you know bang something in the freezer that um will sort of reheat quite easily rather than you make too many salads you kind of like there's nowhere to go with that (laughs) no no I think that's a really good point and 
something that is super important that not all of us think about. And that is having things in your pantry or freezer that work really well. And I've had a lot of clients who travel for work. And that's something where I say, you know, I realize you're gone for three, four days. The last thing you want to do when you come back from a a six o'clock flight is to go to the grocery store and meal prep. But having Mm -hmm. something in your pantry and freezer, like you said, that minute rice, tin tuna, frozen veggies, where you know you can put together a meal that's going to tie you over until the next day till you can get groceries is a great way to, Mm -hmm. you know, prevent you being like, oh, well, McDonald's is really close. I guess pick that up out of necessity versus a desire. So definitely definitely important to have some things handy. Mm -hmm. And another thing I love to keep in my fridge is um, marinated tofu. I get sort of a couple of blocks of that from um, our local shopping center. And again, it lasts you know, months yeah. in the fridge. So I've always got a, a block of marinated tofu at the back of my fridge. Again, put that with a bit of brown rice, throw some frozen veggies in. And for all our listeners at home, frozen veggies are just as nutritious as fresh veggies as well. So again, don't be guilted into thinking that they're not as good as what the fresh stuff is. A lot of the times they're a lot cheaper as well, mm-hmm. depending on what's in season. So always have a bag or a couple of bags of frozen veggies in your freezer. They're good if you have an injury and they're also good to, um, you know, nourish your body as well when you're poor on time. So <laughs> Multiple multiple reasons for having frozen veggies in our freezers. Couldn't agree more. Now, any hacks for meal prep to make food last longer? I know a big one is like keeping dressings off your salads. Um, obviously, it's going to stretch your salads out for longer and trying to keep any sort of like moisture out of your salads. Like if you're going to wash your lettuce, you're really going to spit it and get oh, yeah. all of that water out of it or literally by the second day, that salad is it's disgusting. It's soggy and it's wet and oh, nobody's going to yeah. eat that. <laughs> no, I think that's one where people totally for any kind of produce that you've washed absolutely absolutely needs to be dried properly properly otherwise you're you might as well throw it directly in the garbage which would be super unfortunate um so i would say yeah separating your sauces anything that has a sauce this is one where those multiple meal prep containers can be really beneficial if you know you have a main meal a chicken or something that's been marinated in sauce you don't necessarily want that touching your vegetables, not for any other reason that it's going to potentially make them soggy, which, you know, doesn't last very well. So I'd say separating your ingredients can be really important, but also uh, the temperature of your fridge and where you store your meal prep containers. Cause I'm not sure if you've mm. ever uh, chopped up some nice cucumber, put a little too far back in your fridge. And then you're like, Oh, it's limp. <laughs> yeah. Oh, why is this frozen? Why yeah. is my cucumber frozen? Exactly. Why yeah. is half of it frozen? Um, so I'd say not only, yeah, definitely check the temperature of your fridge and make sure that it is as cold as it should be in order to keep things well uh, protected. And also good meal prep containers. A good meal prep mm-hmm. container is actually going to keep your food a lot fresher and tasting much better than if it's just something kind of where you've stuck, you know, saran wrap or something over the top that isn't really meant to contain it. Definitely. And are you a fan of buffet meal prep again for that variety? And for our listeners at home, buffet meal prep might be cooking up, you know, some um, prawns or shrimp and then a bit of chicken and some blocks of tofu and then just having that in big containers in the fridge. And then you can add different veggies or salads or that sort of thing and then make your meal each morning. And again, it keeps all the protein separate to the veggies, to the grains as well. Is that another tip that you recommend for your clients? Absolutely. I think for people who uh, are a little bit turned off from meal prep because of the repetitiveness, repetitiveness Mm. of it. I think that's the perfect way to meal prep because you do have the variety. You're like, okay, today I want different protein. I want a different vegetable. And you can easily create so many variations of a meal by having, you know, that buffet meal prep, which is 
also super time efficient because you're not having to package everything individually. And if you do have a smaller fridge, it's also more space efficient because I know, you know, my three meals in three different boxes takes up just as much space. It's definitely a really good way to go and something I would highly recommend. Mm. And even for people at home who have, you know, families and young children, or even partners who might not like the same kind of food that you do. So it works really well for families because you can cook up different types of protein, different types of veggies, put it all on the table, let the kids pick and choose what they want, let the hubby choose what he wants, you choose what you want, then put everything back in the fridge and it doesn't go to waste because you just kind of yeah. bring it out the next night. And that's going to last for two or three days, yet everybody gets to have what everybody gets. You're not forcing people to eat what they don't want and you're also not eating the same thing for three days in a row as well. So... I'm a big fan of buffet meal prep as well. Totally. Hmm. Now I'm going to um, do a 180 and pivot from nutrition to fitness um, because I love all of the workout videos that you put up. I think you put up some really um, wonderful workouts and really easy, easy workouts that kind of anybody can do without, um, you know, being too hard or too difficult. Like I never look at your workouts and think, oh God, like I couldn't do that. Or what is that exercise? Like I do with some, <laughs> some sort of Instagrammers. I'm like, wow, that, that's hardcore. <laughs> I do feel like your, your, your workouts are really, um, are really wonderful and achievable as well. So what sort of tips would you give to somebody who's sort of starting out or maybe someone's working really hard on their nutrition. They're starting to make some great gains and they think, all right, fitness is something that I really need to start thinking about. Where would you recommend somebody start if they're really not doing, um, you know, much exercise at all at the moment? So I think when it comes to fitness, you, there's nothing wrong with starting where you're at. And when I look at what I'm able to do now and where I started, if this is what the point where I think people sometimes go, Oh, well, look at so-and-so they're able to do X, Y, and Z. And I can't even, you know, walk up the stairs without being winded because that was me. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with starting with the basics. There's nothing wrong with starting working out in your living room with going for walks around the block you know, going to the trend, going to the gym and going on the treadmill elliptical, start at a level where you feel confident and where you can complete something with, you know, safely, because at the end of the day, you want to be able to go back the next day or the day after without having to worry about injury. And I think sometimes people get so caught up in doing all these really fancy things and, you know, jumping here and doing that and bouncing on a ball. And my question to you would be like, is there a safer way you can do that? Because if you ever are performing an exercise and you're like, well, this doesn't feel great or this hurts or I'm a little bit nervous, chances are it's going to end up an injury a lot sooner than you're prepared for. And, you know, we want to really avoid injury at all costs, no matter what level you are at training. So start where you're at. If possible, what I would always recommend is if you can't hire a trainer, then I think sometimes taking the time to, and I know it feels silly but filming yourself doing certain things because it's so important to see your form. If you are doing an exercise and you go, oh, that doesn't feel quite right. Chances are it might not be quite right or it might not be the right exercise for you. And that's okay too. Just because something is popular or, you know, the best way to do something doesn't mean it's the best way for you personally to do something. Like I recently talked about that. I don't back squat because it really bothers my hips and my hip flexors and I'm now seeing a professional for help for that because, you know, I can't, I can't do it. And I haven't been able to do it for quite a long time, but I've honored my body in the sense that, you know, it doesn't feel right. It hurts. I'm going to, you know, avoid until I have the time and energy to invest into making the changes I need to be able to perform something safely. So start where you're at, focus on safety and focus on longevity. And 
enjoyment. Because if you don't enjoy what you're doing, chances are next month, you're going to like it even less. I love that. And also the fact that you brought up like professionals helping professionals, because people are always surprised that I've got a sports dietitian myself and I've got a um, exercise physiologist myself as well, because for a very long time, my goal was just to be able to squat my body weight. Like, don't ask me why that was my goal. That was just my goal. (laughs) And I could not get there. I could not get past a 60 kilo squat. And I remember I went and I've, um, learned from my trainer now, Xenia, she's amazing, that I have such long limbs, like I'm six foot tall, I can't be squatting how everybody else does. So I have to squat using plates um, under my heels just to help my levers in to be able to get um, better range of motion. And I would have never known that. Like I thought my technique, my form was pretty good, but I would have never known that if I didn't sort of enlist the help of a professional. And as you say, she films me, especially with my deadlifts. Um, Lifting Mm -hmm. off the floor has been something that I've really, really struggled with. And, um, you know, lifting sort of with my back more than from my you know, from my hips or glutes or that sort of thing as well. So I think enlisting the help of a professional, no matter where you are in your journey is so important. Like I've been, I've been exercising for 10 years now and I still, um, you know, she still corrects my sort of form and technique as well. So I think that's really important as well. Um, but particularly when you're starting out sort of as a beginner as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think, I think if you ever talk to a real professional, they will never hesitate to tell you that they also need help from other professionals. Yeah. And I think that's a sign of a good professional as well, admitting that we don't know everything and there's no way that we could know everything. So having different professionals for different things as well, I think is really important as well. All right. Now, Nikki, I know that we're both huge fans of resistance training. Um, I guess even just from a general health perspective in terms of helping with our bone mineral density, but say somebody has a background in, you know, doing lots of cardio, say they've always been active for many, many years, but they're a runner. How would you suggest that they transition from more cardio based to sort of a few sessions of strength and resistance training a week? So that is a great question and something that I'm trying to get many of my clients to do. Um, (laughs) I think the thing is, if someone actually loves cardio and loves running, I would never ask them to give that up. And I think Mm -hmm. that's important for people to know that you don't actually have to give up the things that you love, but Mm -hmm. it can be so beneficial to incorporate resistance training because like you said, it's such a huge help uh, to ensure, you know, strong bones, reduce risk of osteoporosis, um, manage your weight. Resistance training is great, you know, to avoid health risks like cardiovascular disease, type two diabetes. Um, even things like arthritis and back pain. And so resistance training is going to be a fantastic way for your overall health to not only, uh, for you to maintain that long-term, but it will actually transfer to a lot of cardio activities. Resistance training makes you stronger, which means it is often easier to do things like cardio and to run. So if you actually look at people who do like, you know, triathlons and training for things like that, just because they're running doesn't mean that they're not lifting weights as well. So anyone who does something like, you know, baseball or golf, even those people are most certainly doing resistance training because they want to have the most balance and as much muscle mass as you can, because that's something that naturally degrades over time. So resistance training is most certainly going to be really helpful with that. And no matter what kind of workouts you enjoy doing outside of that, it can be so beneficial to, you know, slowly increase the amount of resistance training you're able to do. Even if it's simple as one session a week, you can increase that to two and start slowly. Start with it being something that you're like, okay, I can do it this week. It's only one session and then I can run again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Don't make it something where you have to all of a sudden do that every single day. And I don't think there's anything wrong with keeping it simple, 
because I think sometimes people go, oh my goodness, there's so many different kinds of exercises. But if you look at most, you know, people who enjoy resistance training or bodybuilders, they're doing a lot of the same exercises over and over, you know, your normal deadlifts your squats your bench press, because they are safe. They're really effective and you don't have to do a ton of them. You don't have to go into the gym and do 10 new exercises every single day, mm. right? That's, that's not how you're going to really get the, the, be- the best or most out of your workout. So don't get overwhelmed by having to do so many things at once. Really keep it simple. Even if you go into the gym and do four different exercises, there's nothing wrong with that. You're still going to see the benefits and the gains of that. Definitely. And I love that point that you brought up again about resistance training, making people better runners even, because one of my good friends, Kat, she runs marathons and for years and years, she just ran and ran and ran and ran. And then she hired a new coach. And I've been sort of on a case to do a bit of resistance training for years now. And he recommended that she just start with one session and she's hitting PBs. Like, you know, she's five years older, but she's hitting PBs that she's never been out of hip before from doing one to two sessions of strength training a week. And she's really noticed that difference um, just from going out and just, you know, pounding. There were there were weeks where she'd run a hundred kilometers a week. And I just think all oh, oh, that, smart. like that strain in your body, like she, we used to live together and yeah. she'd, she'd disappear and I wouldn't see her for kind of three hours, <laughs> but I feel like she's, she's had some great gains in the last sort of year or two from focusing on just a really small amount of resistance training, like one to two sessions a week max. She just feels so much stronger. Her runs are so much stronger. So there's definitely positives and you definitely don't have to, you know, be in the gym five days a week to make gains. No, absolutely not. And as you said, if you love running, keep running by all means, but there are other health benefits that you're going to get from um, doing even just one session of resistance training a week, and in particular, stronger totally. bones and decreasing your risk of osteoporosis, which I think is huge, particularly for females as well as we age. Definitely. Mm. Now, with home-based workouts, like these are great for super busy people, particularly mums who, you know, they can't get a babysitter, they can't just go to the gym during the day. Um, I get a lot of questions from mums about, you know, who are chasing sort of strength or physique-based goals. Where do you feel like you draw that line between a home-based workout, but then needing to get into the gym to sort of push your results further? Like if somebody's been doing, you know, home workouts at home for multiple years now, but their sort of progress is stalled a bit. Do you think that you can change it up enough just from using some simple equipment at home? Or do you really feel like one or two days within a gym and, and using some of, you know, the big hack squat machines and that sort of thing will get people just that little edge in their results that they're looking for, perhaps if their progress has stalled a little bit? I think that's a great question. And the answer is really going to vary depending on the individual and what kind of things you already have at home. Because I know equipment wise, like I have a barbell at home. I, I know that's not something that everyone would have, right? That's I, awesome. Yeah. I mean, I have 40 pound dumbbells, also something very random. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of where I would say, depending on what you can afford to have at home, or depending if you are debating a gym membership, I would look into the option of, okay, if a gym membership is X number of dollars and you plan on joining for a year, what could, could you possibly use that money towards equipment and upgrading the equipment you have at home? Or is that not quite going to be a substitute for things like a leg press machine or sufficient weights for you to improve your squats and your deadlifts? I think it depends on how you like to train and how much you need to lift in order to accomplish what you're working towards. And I think sometimes people get so focused on lifting a certain number of, or lifting a certain amount of weight. And I mean, I am totally that person. Like I always say to my friends, like I'm definitely a meathead. I'm like, I love lifting. I love lifting heavy, but I think it is so important to always focus on your form. 
And that should always come first before anything else. So if you are working out at home, Mm -hmm. there are definitely ways to make your workouts more challenging. And something as simple as, you know, if you're doing body weight squats and all of a sudden you're like, you know what? Three sets of 10 is super easy. All right, well then go for three sets of 10, but hold a pause at the moment, at the bottom of the movement, right? Work on the isometric Mm -hmm. movement, slow things down, or you can increase the number of reps you're doing something. Slowly add weights, work on the tempo of your movements, and you can really increase the level of difficulty by doing that. I think sometimes people go, oh, well, I always do 10 reps. Well, what happens if you try to go for 12 or 15? Or what happens if you increase the weight, but the number of repetitions you did decreased? So I think there's lots of ways to spice up your routine in the gym, but also at home and thinking about where you want to go and how heavy you want to lift is going to be important as to deciding whether or not you want to venture into the gym or whether or not you feel comfortable staying at home and potentially upgrading your equipment. I think that's kind of, you know, the gist of it, but once again, it's kind of really very depending Mm. on the individual. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Lots of different um, options, I guess, depending on what your, what your goals really are. Totally. Hmm. Now, my last question for you is around finding a reputable trainer online. And it's something that I get asked all of the time. And I guess it comes down to like finding somebody who's really reputable in terms of, um, you know, nutrition and that sort of thing as well. And I think a lot of people, um, I guess they just tout themselves as experts, but how do our listeners at home, you know, particularly, um, if they're going to a gym and they don't really, I guess there aren't trainers available that they really mesh with or they're, Mm. you know, don't really, they don't really feel like they would help them to achieve their goals. If they're sort of looking outside of that and maybe thinking about somebody online, how would you go about recommending, um, I guess just screening trainers online and really choosing a good one? Because a lot of the times I can't go past like the booty popping and just the ridiculous (laughs) workouts. I see like people are just lifting things. I'm like, oh my God, that looks so dangerous. I don't know how you're even getting results from that. How do people, you know, choose a good fitness trainer, like, especially like all the, a lot of fitness um, influencers have like a million followers. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're a good trainer. So what are your tips? Or that they're even a trainer. Exactly. Because social media doesn't require any qualifications and that is the scariest part. Um, So what are your tips at home for our listeners to be able to find a reputable exercise um, professional online? I think that is such a good question. And whether it's online or in person, I think the same Mm -hmm. thing applies in terms of not only do you need to do your due diligence and, you know, what does this person stand for? What are they promoting? Are they promoting extremes? Are they promoting something that you think is sustainable long-term, but also, you know, what are the credentials? Where did they get their certification? I mean, I see plenty of girls who have some sort of guide out and I go, oh, I didn't know she was a trainer. I wonder where she got her thing from. Mm -hmm. And I can't find it anywhere. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that I don't think, I think the problem too sometimes is that there can be people who are not personal trainers or not certified and are so knowledgeable and would actually probably do a far better job than some people who are in fact certified personal trainers. And that's the problem, which is exactly what you're talking about. How do you know? And so one thing that I suggest is the right thing about social media is if someone's really proud of results that they've given someone, they generally like to tag the individual. And so what I would say is, you know what, reach out to that person. And I had people do that. I worked with an online trainer and I gave consent for the, my images to be shared and I would not at all recommend that person, but I gave my permission and consent prior to my experience because, you know, 
I, I thought it was going to be fantastic. And the reality is I went through the program and was initially prescribed, you know, 1900 calories, which was more than I'd been eating before. And I said, I'm having a really difficult time eating that much. Do you think, you know, what we can make some changes? No problem. Here's 1300 calories. Oh, Ooh. okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm five, eight. You want me to work out five, six days a week, twice some days, and you're going to give me 1600 or 1300 calories to eat. Okay. There you go. That, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't sound right. And I know off the top of my head, that's not going to work. So mm-hmm. I think there's also times when someone can be qualified, but not necessarily have your best interest in mind. So if something ever happens and you go, oh, that doesn't seem right. That doesn't feel right. Trust your gut. Mm-hmm. And I think there's nothing wrong with saying, I don't think that's going to work for me and speak up for yourself because not everyone online is going to have your best interest at heart. Some people are only thinking about that transformation photo and, you know, how can I get that person results? You can get anyone results, but it comes at a cost and you don't want to be the one paying that cost long-term yes. where you're then going to have to seek another professional to be like, how do I get my hormones in check? I, you know, my menstrual cycle has stopped, right? You don't want someone who doesn't think about you long-term and doesn't ask you questions about how are you doing? Is this working out for you? Mm-hmm. Is this having a negative impact on your relationship with food or fitness? And, you know, oh, you're injured. Well, then maybe what, what can we do to make sure that you're recovering from that properly? Is there someone I can recommend to you in your area that can actually get you the proper resources? You know, where I am not a massage therapist, I am not a physiotherapist, but I know that you need someone like that and not being afraid to actually vocalize that because most people I would say are not multiple professionals all in one. I mean, that would be exceptionally helpful, but it doesn't work that way. Hmm. And so trust your gut, ask lots of questions and ask the people they've worked with. Because I know I've had people message me and say, oh, how did you like that? And I said, I I didn't like it and I would not recommend it. Hmm. Right. If someone's yeah, open and honest with you and they really enjoyed it, then ask them questions. Most people are really happy to talk about their progress and how they achieved it. And I find that fascinating that they made you sign those transformation photos before you'd started working with them. So they could use your transformation photos and say, oh, Nikki, look wonderful. She got such great results, blah, 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 blah. And again, people just buy based off transformation photos because Instagram, you know, it's a visual platform. Exactly. So that's the scariest part. So I love that tip about actually contacting the person behind that transformation photo. And I've actually done a lot of, you know, stalking on Instagram during my time. And I find that a lot of (laughs) trainers who put out transformation photos, you click on the link of that person and they don't exist. So whether or not that's actually a true mm, transformation, yes. whether or not that's even their client. And then, as you said, you can't go and you can't ask that person whether or not they would actually recommend it because the link's broken mm. or the page doesn't exist. So that should send up some red flags in your mind if you can't even get into contact with that person. So 1, please everybody at home. Yeah. Nikki's tip was absolutely wonderful. <laughs> don't buy off transformation photos, go to the actual source and go to multiple sources, because if you're not getting a hundred percent, you know, glowing recommendations from the people that have worked with them, then you're not going to get, you know, fabulous results yourself. Transformation photos. Everybody knows that we can Photoshop. You you know, I've seen Mm -hmm. my gym at the moment has a six week um, program, which there's so much wrong with that, but I'm not even going to go there, but they're using transformation photos, which are clearly not six week transformation photos. Like I know, like they're like two years in the making, like these people have dropped, you know, 12 kilos, 20 kilos kind of thing. They're not like they're using false information to sell false challenges, which I just think is so wrong. So 
please everyone do your do your homework do your due diligence reach out to these people like Nikki would you mind if somebody I, like kept reaching out to you and asking questions about this like you'd probably be more than happy no, to write back no, to people yeah and give them an honest opinion I'm, I'm more than happy to you know give any kind of advice or you know my per- share my personal experience because I think I have struggled so much to find what works for me and to be like, oh, that's great. That doesn't work. And just because something has worked for me, I know that's not necessarily going to be best for everyone, which I think is also really important for people to realize that just because you see someone doing something doesn't mean you're going to have the same results or enjoy it. hundred percent. And also if you're reaching out to a trainer and you're asking multiple questions and all they're saying is yes, 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 yes. Again, red flag, be wary of that. I turn down more clients than I actually accept and people are shocked. And they're actually also like, they're kind of like, oh, but why can't I, but I really want to work with you. Why can't I work with you? And I'm like, you're not my ideal client. That's not the expertise that I have. I can't help you. Somebody else out there will be able to help you better. And they're almost like, it almost makes them want me even more. And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not playing. I'm not trying to play hard to get. I literally, I'm not that expert to be able to help you. So I think that again, comes back to being a great reputable um, dietitian, nutritionist trainer is knowing um, that your trainer isn't just saying yes, 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 yes to you. They're actually, there to admit when they don't know what they don't know and they will happily refer you to somebody else so I think that that is another trait of a great trainer particularly somebody online if you're just if they're just you know happy to accept you regardless and they're just saying yes 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 to you then I think that that should really um throw up some red flags at home as well I yeah I think that's a great point and I think like with that program that I done it says you know totally customizable macros everything blah 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 and when it came down to it, I had another girlfriend who was going through the program and we had exactly the same macros <laughs> for our very <laughs> expensive, that. super customizable program. So I definitely yes. think that just because something is marketed a certain way doesn't mean that's actually what you're getting. And so ask questions. If someone, you know, is honest about it, they're they're going to be upfront with you about what they can and can't do for you. And the same goes if someone says, oh, this is, you know, a health concern that I have, I'm dealing with, and I'm looking for a nutrition coach. I might say, you know what, I would love to help you, but I don't have the qualifications needed in order to assist you in the best possible way. So there's nothing wrong with Mm -hmm. someone saying no. I think it it just means that they actually care about what they do and they want you to be successful so that, you know, you need to look for someone. And even if it takes a couple of tries, even if it takes you a couple of weeks, put the time in because you're eventually going to put the money in. So you might as well make it well worth it. So you're not wasting your time and money on someone who doesn't have your best interest in mind. A hundred percent. And that just made me think of a really funny story. Some, um, a lady reached out to me once and she said, look, this is what I'm struggling with. This is a medication I'm on. This is a condition that I have. Can you help me lose weight? And I literally just wrote back to her, went, I'm actually probably not the best person for you. I've never heard of that condition. I've actually never heard of that medication that you're taking. I would recommend another expert in that area. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I don't really know anybody, but I wish you the best of luck. And she wrote back to me basically saying that the condition didn't exist and the medication didn't (gasps) exist. She was just testing me. And then in my head, I was like, oh my God, like, (laughs) Like I'd had a bit of a Google and that sort of thing. I'm like, I still have no idea what this is. And she was just like, I've been burnt so many times that I'm really doing my homework. And I just thought, you know what, good on you. Like, and maybe that's a step further than most people want to go. But at least at the same time, you know, that if somebody's really BSing you or not, like, you know, that you're getting a real deal. If somebody's been like, yeah, I can totally help you. Yeah, that's fine. I can help you lose weight. It's kind of like, well, how are you going to help me with this medical condition when it doesn't really exist? So (laughs) there is a lot of, you know. 
BS online. So guys, do your homework, do your due diligence, know who, and as we said, just because somebody is an expert or has a qualification or a certificate doesn't mean that they're good. You know, there are plenty of great dietitians out there. There are plenty of terrible ones. There are great doctors. There are terrible doctors. There are great trainers. There are terrible trainers. A qualification isn't the be all to end all, but make sure that what people promise you is what they're delivering on and never be afraid to ask for your money back or get out of a program. If you start it and you feel like it is not working for you, or as Nikki said, if it's going to be more detrimental to your health, um, just try to get your money back and run. And even if you can't, um, at least, you know, make it your mission to let other people know that, that this is not a great program and, and that sort of thing as well. Totally. I think it's good to get the word out there and to be upfront about something, because I think sometimes we forget that we have the power to impact someone by saying something. So even if you have Mm. worked with someone who, you know, didn't give you great service, you don't necessarily have your have faith in them saying something about that and saying something about the service you're getting is important because you don't know if you're the person who, who is going to make that impact on that person who'd be like, Oh, you know what? I can't get away with this. I actually need to make an effort to, you know, do what I say I'm going to do. Definitely. And finally, Nikki, I would love for you to leave our listeners at home with just one tip. If you could help them to live a healthier lifestyle long-term, what would your biggest health and wellness tip be um, long-term for our listeners at home? I would say don't negate the importance of your mental health when it comes to focusing on your physical well-being and your physical goals. So often all we think about is that number on the scale, how our clothes are fitting, you know, what we should and shouldn't eat. And that all impacts your mentality so much that if you take a step back to think about how something makes you feel and the actions that you're doing daily, are they getting you closer or further away from a healthful relationship with food and fitness? And taking the time to really nurture yourself, your self-worth is going to take you way further in life than it is to, you know, only focus on the negative things that are going on that you want to fix. Focus on the positive things and all that you've got going on for you as well. Love it. And it comes back to that 10% better, doesn't it? Just 10% better every day. Oh, yes. 10%. It's totally doable. It's very hard to fail with 10%. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Nikki, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, Where can our listeners find you on social media? Awesome question. So thank you so much for having me. Uh, you can find me on social media at justget.fit, or you can email me at Nikki at justget.fit. So that's N-I-K-K-I at justget.fit. And I also have a website with tons of free resources, which is just www.justget.fit. <laughs> Wonderful. And you mentioned um, to our listeners as well, you're on your website, you've got a monthly, um, is it like a monthly membership or a membership forum? Do you want to tell our listeners yeah, a little bit about that? Absolutely. So as someone who actually really, really loves food, <laughs> um, it's taken me a long time to kind of find a way to enjoy meal prepping and enjoy eating in a way where I can keep up what I'm doing and maintain my physique. So I created a members area with over 200 recipes that are great for meal prepping their breakfast, lunch, and dinners, their snacks. And it's just a way for you to, you know, look for recipes that are, you know, going to make it easy to meal prep, to stick to your goals while having something enjoyable. Every recipe has got the calories stated. It's got the macros stated. There's lots of things for if you're gluten-free, there's options for dairy-free. But once again, if you have any kinds of questions, you're more than welcome to message me, send me an email, send me a DM. I'm always happy to answer. And 
Same with my members area. It might not be right for everyone. So if you have any questions, send me, an, send me a message and I will be open and honest about whether or not it may or may not be a good fit. Wonderful. And guys, jump on over to uh, Nikki's Instagram, just get.fit and um, you will see lots and lots of incredible photos, messages, motivation, um, and even just different types of workouts that Nikki does as well. She's very, very inspiring. So make sure you jump on over and give her a follow. So thank you so much, Nikki, for coming on and sharing all of your gold and your wisdom with our listeners. Um, We look forward to potentially having you back on the podcast one day very soon, because I'm sure that we could just continue this conversation forever. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, totally. Thank you so much for having me, Leanne. And I hope that when I get my podcast up and running, I'll be able to uh, feature you as well. Watch out for that, guys, as well. I've been on Nikki's case to start her own podcast because (laughs) she is incredible and she would would just do so well and it would be such a great listen. So (laughs) thank you again, Nikki. Thank you. (laughs) And guys, we will catch you in the next podcast. What a wonderful chat with meal prep and fitness guru, Nikki from Just Get Fit. Now, if you guys enjoy the podcast, please share it onto your Instagram stories and tag Nikki and us in it so that we can reshare it with our followers as well. We just love seeing how the podcast can positively impact people's lives all around the world. So we really love seeing it when you share it in your Instagram stories. And as always, if you enjoyed the podcast today and it impacted you positively, please take an extra 30 seconds out of your day to leave me a positive rating rating or review because it absolutely means the world to me guys and I will catch you next week in next week's episode.